Well, good morning again to you. If you're joining us online as well, thank you for joining us in this time. If you have your Bibles, open them up to the book of Habakkuk. If you have your digital copy of the Bible, it's probably going to be easier to find Habakkuk. Uh, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. And if you don't know where any of that is, go to the book of Matthew and just go left just a few books and you'll be at the book of Habakkuk. We're starting a new series in this book in 2021, and it's a book where uh, I think some have even said, uh, I cannot wait for 2021 because 2020 was so bad. However, we shouldn't just have the expectation that 2021 will just automatically be better than 2020. We have no idea what this year will bring uh, or what it's already been brought in. And so we are here today in the book of Habakkuk. And I think one of the great challenges of this last year is that we might lean into and maybe have gotten into the state of perpetual misery. Perpetual misery. That's where we see everything as half empty, everything as bad, everything as tragic. And I'm proposing to us today that we're going to see from the book of Habakkuk a momentary misery, a momentary misery. Uh, another way we might call this, maybe even a biblical word we might use instead of this is lamenting. Lamenting is a biblical word, a biblical concept. In fact, there's an entire book in the Bible titled Lamentations, which there's a sense of lamenting uh, that is going on in even the Bible. When you read the Psalms, many of the Psalms, there is a lament, a momentary misery of things that have happened and an ability to bring that to God, lay it before him so that, not so that we can just get over it, but so that he can lead us through it. In fact, I would say 2020 presented for me personally some God-sized problems. God-sized problems uh, can be a little bit of object, uh, objective, but God-sized problems are anything that are out of my control, which tends to be a lot, by the way. But God-sized problems are things like that job that you had, you lost. You can't fix it. You can't just make it reappear. Uh, for some, it's that scary C word, cancer, or now in this new paradigm, COVID. And you begin to see some things and go, I've got a God-sized problem here, and I, I don't, I've got to have God show up or it's going to go really bad. And many of us have faced that in 2020. We, we have been in moments where we needed God to show up. And so we began to plead for him to show up. You've prayed, you've weeped for God to do something. You've pleaded with him. You've fasted about it. You've invited others to do, ask God to do something because it was out of your control. And honestly, that's where you should have been from day one. But we're in this moment in the book of Habakkuk, and we're going to see some parallels today to what Habakkuk was experiencing and to maybe even what we're feeling in this moment in 2021, there's questioning and wondering and being perplexed and not understanding. And what I love about the book of Habakkuk is that it's not this pretty little bow that's put onto the, the Lexus on Christmas morning. It's going to be right in the middle of a tough confession from this man 
So if you're at Habakkuk chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 1 and read through verse 11 this morning. We're going to put it on the screen for you. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, but if you're there, will you say word? The pronouncement that the prophet Habakkuk saw. How long, that's key, how long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen or cry out to you about violence and you do not save? Why? Here's our other question. Why, God, do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Oppression and violence are right in front of me. They're on my TV. Strife is ongoing and conflict escalates. I'm seeing it in the news. This is why. Here it is. The law is ineffective. And this is the law of God. And justice, this is the political arena, Justice never emerges, for the wicked restrict the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. Now look what God responds with in verse 5. Look at the nations and observe. Be utterly astounded, for I am doing something in your days that you will not believe. When you hear about it. Now watch this. God says, look, and when God says, look, you look. Look, I am raising up the Chaldeans. Little preview, Chaldeans are not our friends. Chaldeans are, uh, I want to be careful here, North Korea, Iraq, Iran, China, Russia, that's the Chaldeans, all right? Watch this biography of the Chaldeans. They are bitter, impetus nation that marches across the earth's open spaces to seize territories not its own. They are fierce and terrifying. Their views of justice and sovereignty stem from themselves. Their, how, their horses are swifter than leopards and more fierce than wolves of the night. Their horsemen charge ahead. Their horsemen come from distant lands. They fly like eagles, swooping to devour all of them come to do violence. Their faces are set in determination. They gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and rules. Rulers are a joke to them. They laugh at every fortress and build siege ramps to capture it. They sweep by like the wind and pass through. They are guilty. Their strength is their God. Not the word of the Lord that you wanted in 2021. How long, oh Lord, are you going to be silent? Why do you look at all the injustice and do nothing? And God responds not with the answer you want, but says, hey, I'm going to raise up your vilest of enemies, and they're going to take over everything. I'm doing something in your day that even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. This is the context of the book of Habakkuk. This is the moment that this prophet, who we don't know much about, he's quoted three times in the New Testament, we do know that he was quoted, and so that's good. We've got some context there. We do know that it's in a season of great strife. He's in a moment where he needs God to show up. He has a God-sized problem and goes to God with his emotional lament. Habakkuk has this oracle. He sees this. He's trying to reconcile what he knows theologically about God with what he's seeing transpire in the world. 
He knows these things about God to be true and right and holy God and sovereign God, a good God, an involved God, but he's seeing things unravel all around him among God's people and among all the nations. And he's saying, God, how long are you gonna be quiet? Why are you delaying? What is going on? Has anybody prayed that in this year? In the Old Testament, you had prophet, priests, and kings. You had kings who were the rulers, and many of them were not good. Some were good, but they gave the rules. And then you had the priest. The priest would be similar to maybe what we do today. We teach God's word and preach God's word, but we minister among you and care for you in your time of need. But then there was the prophet. The prophet, which is how Habakkuk is described, the prophet comes into town, and he tells you how awful you are. Everybody likes the idea of a prophet until the prophet shows up. Even in the New Testament, John the Baptist comes and he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He'll even go to the point that he calls everybody a bunch of vipers, you broad of vipers. It's not the kind of guy you invite over to dinner because he's the wah, wah. I mean, these are prophets. So what we see here in verses two through four is that Habakkuk rants. Habakkuk rants, and I'm wanting you today to connect emotionally to what's being shown to us in God's word. He says, how long? You can feel that emotion from Habakkuk. He's in the middle of the mess. He needs God to show up. He's got a God-sized problem. It's out of his control. He, he can't fix it. He, he can't motivate anybody to, to show up. He can't get, him to get it together. He's desperate for God to do something. Are you desperate? I've cried about it. I've waited on you, God. I've asked you to do something. Just show up. I need you to change us. What's going on? I mean, how many of you talk to God about something for years? I think some of us talk to God about things for minutes, but not for years. We just give up. We forget about it. We just move on. How many of you have been praying eagerly, expectantly for a baby, and that's not happened a job to show up, an income to increase, your marriage to be restored. Maybe you've been sick for decades asking God to give you a doctor who at least listened to what's going on in your body. Have you ever asked God for something, emotionally been at a place like this, longing for God to show up, and it just seems like it goes straight to voicemail? Habakkuk has a God-sized problem. And it seems that Habakkuk is in the passenger seat and God's driving and you're just wishing that he would go just a little bit beyond the speed limit. And maybe God's going under the speed limit. And like, can you just press the gas just a little? We wanna get there, right? This is Habakkuk. He's longing for God to speed up his work. Habakkuk has a God-sized problem. He's looking around and he's saying, things are not good. <laughs> the people are not obeying the law, the law of God. They're not listening to it. They're not paying attention to it. They're not, certainly not even obeying it. They're not even getting a word from it because they're not reading it. By the way, if you want a word from God, you need to be in the word of God. Injustices are taking place. Wrongdoing is running rampant. Even the government is corrupt. It is not hard to see some parallels to today. 
But before we try to shift the blame of whatever's happening in the world to somebody else, which is what we like to do, and we're really good at it, we've got to take a step back and go, now wait a minute, all people have sinned, every single one of us, and we all have fallen short of the glory of God. You know, we look at the world and we go, we're the good guys, they're the bad guys, and if God would just help the good guys, then everything will be all right. But when God looks from heaven onto the whole earth, he doesn't see good guys and bad guys. He sees unsaved, at war, wicked, evil people who have rebelled against him. And then he sees those who have repented of it. But we see the world as good and bad, right and wrong. And God sees the world as the world has gone astray. In fact, that is what would be said of Jesus in the book of Isaiah, right? For all of us, like sheep, have gone our own way. And what does Jesus do? He says, I have come to seek and save those who have gone their own way. And it's not hard that when you begin to read the Bible, you begin to get frustrated. Have you ever gotten frustrated after reading the Bible? I have. Love one another. Not happening. Hey, pray for your enemies. Not that one. Be generous. Mm, nope, mine. It's not hard to get frustrated when you begin to read the Bible. But can I just tell you, God's not afraid of your frustrations. God's not afraid of your concerns. God, I have some concerns. As if you're a consultant for God. You begin to look at the world and say, this world is broken. I mean, we got some information before Christmas, and I just began to have to deal with some of it to go, man, this, this world, excuse me, is jacked up. There is some massive rivets in our world. It is broken. And if you pay, to any, any, if you pay attention to anything that's going on in our world, you don't just see that it's broken, but your heart begins to break as well for everything in it. And if you feel this way, you have a contemporary in Habakkuk. Habakkuk's your friend. He's got a God-sized problem. The world's not as it should be. He's frustrated and discouraged. And he comes to God, and he sees that the world externally is on fire, but internally it's imploding as well. Internally, because he looks and he says they're not following the law. They're not doing the things that the word of God says. They're not doing it. They're not following it. In fact, in this time frame of Habakkuk, God doesn't just send one prophet. God sends four prophets. One prophet is enough to tell us that we need to repent. But then the caravan pulls up. It is not just one. It's four. It's Jeremiah, Nahum, and Zephaniah, and Habakkuk are all in this time frame that show up to God's people and go, things are kind of a mess. The message of the prophet's always been the same. Repent, change your ways, return to the Lord. And that's what's happening internally. But externally, they're facing some problems too. It's hard not to see some parallels to our day that, hey, justice never emerges. It seems like court cases get presented and they get swatted down like a fly. Things are not going the way that we think that they should go because God, we've consulted you about this. This is how it should end up. What makes this hard for Habakkuk is that there was a day in his past 
when the people did obey. There was a time in the past where things were good. There was a time in the past where things were set right. You see, in Habakkuk's lineage and time frame, not lineage, but time frame, there was a good king. There were a lot of bad kings, but there was a good king named Josiah. Josiah became king at the age of eight. Now listen, I love my children. Six going on seven, maybe 17. Nine and 10. I love them. They are not allowed to rule a nation. (laughs) Josiah's eight, but he is the great and good king under his lineage and under his his leadership they rediscover the scriptures they begin to read them out loud people begin to repent and in fact in fact they actually are blessed because of it however Josiah goes into battle and he ends up dying the people mourn and what do they do they do like all of us they begin to drift away from that which gave them great hope Habakkuk knew those days. Can I just tell you, there is no going back to those days. Whatever good that you thought that it was in 2020 or before that, there's no going back to it. And part of Habakkuk's frustration is that he has seen better days and now he's looking at his present day and going, how long will you remain silent? Why is this happening now? Don't you know, God, that back then there were great days? Aren't you aware when those days were, God? And for many of us, the great temptation is that we'll want to go back to those days. There's no going back to those days. You were healthy. You got COVID. You're still not recovered. It's frustrating you. Your family was intact and then a curveball is thrown your way and you swung and you missed or you foul tipped and you don't know what's going on. You had money before February 2020. Post-February, it got really, really tight. The people of this time frame, they're, they're seeing this. Habakkuk is seeing this and He has two questions for God. Do you see the two questions? We see it in verse two. How long? You ever asked that question to God? How long do I keep fighting this cancer? How long do I keep pleading for my children to repent and return? How long? How long do I stay in this marriage, God? How long? How long do I put up with these people? How how long? And how many times should I forgive my neighbor? How, How long, God? How long? We've all asked the how long why? Another question we ask God, why? Why am I this way? Why are they that way? Why are the bad guys winning? Why are the good guys weeping? I don't understand, God, why all of this is happening. Please, God, explain it to me. What I love about this is that God doesn't remain silent. He does respond You see it in verse five? Look look how God responds. God responds by saying, I'm working a plan that if I even told you, you would freak out. You wouldn't know what to do with it. See, I think all of us would like God to tell us his plans. (laughs) But I'm just telling you, if he told you his plans, you'd go, uh. 
I mean, think about it this. If you knew all that was gonna happen in 2020 before it ever happened, you probably would have bunkered until 2025. If God told you all of his plans, you would again try to consult God about that being a bad plan. You see, we think we're smarter than we really are. We think we have all the information. We think we have all the details. And God says, I'm going to do something and I'm going to show you something that you will not believe. You're going to be utterly astounded. What does he do? He raises up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. Anytime you see Chaldeans, anytime you see the Babylonians in the Bible, it's never good. You never go, I'd like to be the Babylonians when I grow up. And if you read the description in these following verses, verses 7 through 11, you go, yeah, that's not the people we want to be like. But if you're not careful, you'll become that. He gives a biography and to a degree, Habakkuk is probably listening to this and going, God, you're not giving me a solution. You're giving me a problem that has another problem attached to it. The Chaldeans are going to raise up and take over. That's your plan? That, that from our perspective, the, 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 not just the bad guys, but the like evil bad guys are going to take over? That's your plan? How long, God, are we going to have to deal with this? Why is this happening? Why do you? This is not encouraging. This is why sometimes we'll think this is our best life right now. In fact, I think you've got to understand that that's not what the Bible presents to us. We think that this is the best. We don't live in light of eternity. He says they're going to come, they're going to remove your family, your homes. They worship themselves. They worship their own strength. They run down everybody. This is who's coming along. And I think on one level, we're tempted to go on a PR campaign for God when we read things like this. God says, I'm going to do something amazing. You're not even going to believe it. But then when you begin to continue to read, you go, wait a minute, that's not what I thought. I have a plan for you, a hope and a future, a plan to bless you and keep you. May My face is going to shine upon you. All things work together for good, right, God? I mean, come on. And so we go on a PR campaign for God. And I, I was under some instruction when I was in college of trying to, because we read something we did not like, change the nature and character of God to fit our image. And they begin to say, well, God doesn't know the future. God's just as surprised as you are. But here's the deal, when we read this scripture, we go, wait a minute, no. Yeah, God's doing something that I don't understand. But this is why Christians don't live by experiences, we live by his promises. Habakkuk, is, he's experiencing something that is a train wreck. The enemy is gonna take over. But God is reminding him, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something I'm going to do something. You just have to wait and see. This is why in chapter 2, verse 4, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I can't help but preach the whole book of Habakkuk four weeks in a row. It's a verse that's quoted in the New Testament. The righteous, the righteous will live by his faith. Faith. When I think about Rock Hill in 2021, there's some back to the basics we got to get to. We got to get back to praying corporately. 
We got to get back to being in the Word. It's not too late for you to start the read through the New Testament together. We're only seven chapters in. You can do it. We got to get back to really being dependent on Him publicly and not privately. We got to be people of faith. The righteous, they're going to live by faith. Rock Hill's got to live by faith in 2021. Faith is trusting God when we don't understand God. Faith is trusting God when you don't understand God. I don't have to understand his ways to trust him. He's God. He's been doing just fine without my involvement for a long time. Habakkuk is in a situation and he's having to trust God. He comes to God and says, how long? Why? And God says to him a plan that doesn't really make sense to him, but he's going to learn the righteous are going to live by faith. I've got to trust God. I think one of the things we need in 2021 as Rock Hill, we need to be maturing. We need maturing because faith is not getting what you want. I think some of us think that if I just pray the right prayer or say the right thing or tag in Jesus' name next to it, I'm going to get whatever I want. If you get whatever you want, you are God and he serves you. God is not a Coke machine that if you put the right amount of money into it, that he's going to pop out that soda you really like. God is not Aladdin, the genie of Aladdin that you just rub it the right way and dancing and music and pizza and parties. God is not a vending machine. God's not a pinata that you take a stick and you whack it until you get what you want. Faith is not that. That's lunacy. This is why even Jesus models this for us. He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We often pray, my kingdom come, my will be done. Habakkuk says, God, I don't understand what's going on here, but but here's what I do. I'm, I'm coming to you. Please, God, say and do something. Habakkuk models this for us. He brings his struggles. He brings his momentary misery to God. He says, I don't like what's happening. I don't understand what's happening, but I'm bringing it to you because you're the only one I can go to. I have a God-sized problem. See, faith also helps us deal with our frustrations. You've been frustrated in 2020? Some of y'all been frustrated today. Frustrations happen. Some of you are frustrated with God. God's not afraid of your frustrations. But if you don't bring those things to him, how can he heal you of them? How can he lead you through them if you just kind of internalize it and say, well, I don't want anybody to know about it? Our culture has no category for lamenting. Our culture doesn't like to share that things are not well. I mean, how many of you, we're such good liars on social media. We're really good. How many of you opened up social media on January 1? And said, I've never been more bloated in my life. (laughs) My jeans are much tighter already. We're really good liars. We play everybody the movie clips of the positive things. And I'm not saying we need to be negative Nancys out there. Excuse me to all the Nancys in the room. I'm just saying, I'm not saying we need to go out there and just tell everybody how awful, but here's, here's why I think we're liars. We act as if Jesus has already returned with all of our social media posts. 
showing off how great things, everything's great, everything is awesome, everything is exclamation mark. The reality is that many of us are struggling. Many of us are asking why and how long. We are a bunch of hurting people who are pretending not to be hurting, and therefore we just continue to hurt other people because we've never actually dealt with what's happening. Because of this, I, I took some personal time early in the morning because my schedule has been radically changed over the last few weeks due to some other things that have happened in our family. But I took some time to lament, to have some momentary misery, to write some things down that, that just from 2020, although we had some great experiences, we did some things together, we grew closer together, we, we challenged each other on some things, and it was remotely a good year minus some hardships that we needed to actually acknowledge. And because we acknowledge that misery momentarily, we can actually be healed from it. So I took some time, and I think you should take some time, and I just wrote out a few things. I'm going to show you, there's a longer list, but there's just a few things I want to share with you today of some lamenting that I did this week, the week before. One of the things I've done is I've carried things I'm not supposed to carry. In 2020, I picked up some things that I'm not supposed to pick up. I tried to carry some things that I'm not supposed to carry. I mean, can you imagine leading a church that I don't hardly know where all the bathrooms are in the building? And asked to lead that. And I began to worry and become anxious and think, well, are we gonna have a church any longer? Am I gonna be known as the pastor who followed the beloved pastor who killed the church? Is that what my reputation is gonna be? And if so, to the glory of God, may it be for his name and his renown. But I began to pick up these things, trying to carry them. They're not for me to carry. Who builds the church? Jesus builds the church. I began to pick these things up in 2020 and try to fix them and control them. Every pastor worth his salt in 2020 had a vision series in January. Vision 2020. Well, now 2020 is hindsight. It's like a left hook. Things, I wrote this out, things have not gone as planned, but I'm not the victim. Everything ministerially that I thought would work in 2020, we could not do, which only exposes that my trust was in what we could do, not on what God was going to do. But when things don't go as planned, we often play the victim card. Now, I, there are some moments where legitimately you're a victim, but when you get hurt, you want everybody else to know about your hurt. You, you want the attention and you kind of like the attention when you're hurt. You stub your toe, you want everybody in the neighborhood to form a prayer chain for your stubbed toe. Help me, save me, rescue me. But when I'm able to at least acknowledge it, I'm able to bring it to the Lord and have this momentary misery to lay it before him, to recognize what I, how I've contributed to the situation, but then to grow from it. I experienced some hurt in 2020, some personal hurt. We all have. But that hurt helped me empathize with those who hurt. My compassion capacity has only 
increased because of the hurt that I experienced in 2020. Some of you have experienced some deep, wounded hurt. But you need to know that that is only to help you empathize with others who are hurting. Therefore, because of 2020, I'm full of hope and faith. I'm not afraid. You see, if you keep reading, which you can do in a few moments, about three more minutes, okay? When you read the last two verses of Habakkuk, you see a man who says, there's no fruit on the tree. There's no olive oil being produced. It's barren. But I'm going to celebrate in the Lord. I'm going to praise in the salvation of my Lord and my God. There's no fruit. There's no success story. There's no bow. There's no parade. There's no plaque on a wall. However, I'm still going to celebrate in the Lord. We don't know what 2021 is going to bring. There may be no fruit at all in 2021 yet. We've got to be able to stand up and say, but I'm still going to celebrate in the Lord, my God. But for you to be able to do that, you've got to bring your momentary misery to him. It will not just automatically get better. I think the temptation for us now that we're into 2021, let's go, well, the page is turned, new year, new you, Woohoo! That's not reality. The same bags under your eyes were there January 1 like they were December 31st. The same belt loop widening happened. The same weariness spiritually that you're feeling, it was still there January 1. But you've got to bring that to him you want to be healed. So there's some of you in this room that need to be healed today. You you need to bring your misery before the Lord and lay it before him. The altar will be open. Counselors will be available. We will pray with you so that you can look back and say, there's been no fruit, but I'm still going to praise the Lord. Will you pray with me? Father, we come now, and Lord, there are some in this room, they've got to come to the place that they've confessed you as Lord and Savior. There are some that are online right now that need to do the same. Father in heaven, would you make a way for people not to be shy, not to hide it under a bushel, but to say, I need to bring this misery to you. Jesus.